On this edition of the Table of Content, Michael and I review The Heron, an Aesop fable, where we follow a bird, but we find out sometimes waiting for bigger isn't always better. Stay tuned, that's coming up next, right here on the Table of Content. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Table of Content. I am Albert Sines, joined with Michael Steele. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Albert. You know, as this overpass to our town says, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You know, it's it's easy when you live in the hometown of Fred Rogers for you to say things like that. <laughs> it really is, right? It's always a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Down here in my small rural community in Texas, we don't have overpasses. We just have, we just pass by cows. So, um, <laughs> and the cows don't say much. They just sort of do their thing. Uh, would, would that be a bypass then? A cow <laughs> bypass? <laughs> yes. A bovine bypass. Bovine bypass. <laughs> so today, as... You heard in the introduction, we are going to be covering the Aesop fable, The Heron. And uh, it's sort of a fishing story. And Mm. it's kind of funny because I've never been like a huge fisherman, um, but I've fished, you know, especially growing up on the Gulf Coast, you know, fishing with dad, fishing with other people. And Mm. when I was uh, an active scout, you know, we did fishing trips and I was never a great fisherman. What mm. about you? I mean, you're you're from you're from Southern California. Did you have access to you know ample amounts of fishing, or was that not your thing? We um, there were a few. So I grew up in the desert, and not too many fish in the desert, I assume. No, no, we had to drive to local uh, man-made you know reservoir lakes, and like you were saying, every once in a while we'd have beginner's luck, but then you know, the day would kind of drag on. I remember as a boy, I did, I was taken to the ocean a couple of times and that's a whole different story of fishing. That was pretty exciting. I remember when I was like eight or so, or maybe a little bit older, a friend's dad caught a blue shark, you know, and that was pretty exciting. Um, But I, yeah, I kind of lost my taste for it, but then was reintroduced to it later on and was introduced to fly fishing and, that's a whole different world in and of itself. And I really liked it. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I fell away from it. And then with renewed success came renewed enthusiasm. So yeah, I just, so I, every once in a while, I'll take our six-year-old boy out for fishing at the local pond here and he's into it. So we're hoping to do more of that now that the weather's loosening up. I have a friend who's just, sort of nagging me since I moved back to Texas. He wants to take me on a fishing trip. So I'm trying to find my way to get back into fishing. But uh, as with all things, that's a, a time commitment. But, you know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, this is not our fishing stories. This is about a fishing story from Aesop. And uh, if you're not familiar with the story uh, of the heron, uh, go to our website, waobaudiotheater.org, check under door-to-door storytellers, or visit us at our YouTube site for We Are One Body Audio Theater, and uh, look up the heron real short. Again, like Aesop has this, this knack for 
packing a whole lot into a very short story. Um, but basically, we have uh, the heron, who's a bird, and the heron wants to eat some food. You know, so he goes out, and turns out, as it says, uh, it says directly from the story, uh, from the fable, the clear water swarmed with fish, but Master Heron was hard to please that morning. I, I, I have to say, most mornings I'm kind of hard to please. I, I wake up and I'm just, <laughs> it, it's hard to get me going in the morning. So I kind of feel a little bit like the heron sometimes in the mornings. Right. Especially when it comes to breakfast choices, you know, <laughs> what do I want? You know, if if oh, I yeah. lived next door to a Cracker Barrel, I would be rolling in there for a big breakfast every morning and mornings wouldn't be so rough. Oh man, yes, I, I hear you. Uh, but but the heron, the heron says, you know, no small fry for me. He said, such scanty fare is not fit for a heron. And you know, it's. I think that your example is actually really good. You 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 said especially trying to decide what we want for breakfast, and it's it's a good segue. You know, mm. I I don't know how it is uh, specifically for you, but I know I wake up in the morning. And sometimes I sort of, by choice, by uh, the amount of time I have before work, you know, like I only I can only have a bowl of cereal, and yeah. I can be I can be sort of satisfied, but I want I want egg, sausage, toast, hash browns, big glass of orange juice, right? Yes. And I think in our lives we kind of we kind of hit those sort of breakfast decisions a lot. We're like, well, I would prefer to not have a glass of water. I would like your fresh squeezed lemonade on ice, you know, mm -hmm. with the right amount of sugar. You know, you want that bigger thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's true. I've recently found myself on a uh, poached egg marathon. I'm the type of guy who, like, I'll eat things for months and months and months on end, and then I just get tired of it, and then it just kind of goes away for a year or two, and then it reemerges once you know renewed enthusiasm but it is it, it it's true and you're thinking about the well first of all i i had a point about what you said about aesop i was admiring as well how on the one hand aesop must have been a keen observer of both nature and also the human spirit because obviously like maybe it was his own personal experience or maybe he was observing someone else when he got the idea, like you were saying, to kind of merge these two. But I was also thinking like, why would you choose a heron? And if you've seen a heron, they do have kind of a natural kind of stately air about them. You know, there's a dignity and poise that they have. Uh, the local park here, there's a river that runs, or a creek. I mean, I grew up in the desert, so I call it a river, but out here where water is a plenty, they call it a creek. But um, we actually, a couple years ago, my family and I saw a great blue heron fishing and actually saw it catch a fish. And there was something really majestic about it. In fact, the kids named the heron Cora. I don't know, <laughs> Cora the heron. But, um, but I was thinking about that, right? That Aesop's storytelling uh, ability. And then as well, why would he choose a heron for this particular story of, you know, difficult breakfast uh, decisions. Yeah. So um, I think 
I, it got me thinking as well. The story kind of points to something deeper, I think, in the hair. And I was wondering, I, and maybe I'm maybe this is a stretch, but it's not just about the heron being picky. There's also, I think, kind of like an inflation of his his own self-worth or vanity, you know? Because he's like, sure. you know, no small fry for me, he said. Such scanty fare is not fit for a heron. Like, he is well aware of his uh, supposed dignity and, and what ought to be his fare, you know? So... Well, it's, it, you know, not to get too far off in another story, but it's like the Dr. Seuss story, uh, Yertle the Turtle. Uh, you have mm-hmm. this turtle, which he decides he wants to be king of, he, be king of all the turtles. And mm-hmm. he keeps wanting to get higher and higher and higher. And he keeps having other turtles stack up underneath him so that he can rule more and more of the land. And eventually he, 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 he falls and he's, He's reduced basically to being a regular turtle after he falls from his height. And, you know, to, I, I think we see in these authors who take, you know, animals and give them sort of positions of authority or positions mm. of power, you know, it, it sort of helps us to see it sort of from a different angle because I think we sort of sometimes, oh yeah, it's just another person. It's just another, you know human who's in charge, another king, another boss, another ruler, right. another tyrant. But I think it actually gives us a moment to sort of look at it from our human perspective and consider that the positions of power, you know, or self-inflated ego that yeah. we can give to ourselves, you know, it makes it a little bit more sort of graspable, even though it's an animal, you know, if that makes sense. So yes. I, I think I think using animals was something that Aesop did to help us sort of contemplate it in a different way instead of just sort of you know brushing it off like no it just it's just another story about another guy. Yeah, yeah. He isolates kind of that subtle underlying attitude, brings it into relief or, and light by embodying it in an animal that kind of matches the attitude that that he's trying to teach the lesson on. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, the heron is somewhat of an elegant looking creature. It's maybe not the most majestic bird, but there Mm. is certainly an elegance to it. You know, it's long beak, it's thin legs, it's a particular frame, you know? So, you know, does that sort of, and it, it isn't exactly a bloated or overweight type of animal. Right. Right. So perhaps, you know, again, speculating, you know, the the heron maintains some sort of a trim physique, you know, mm-hmm. because it it treats itself with such reverence, you know, and oh well, I I deserve the best, and maybe to mm-hmm. sort of well, if we put that into human forms and we consider someone who's who's thin and who's very sort of elegant about the way they carry themselves, like oh well. I only eat the best and I am not a glutton and I am not, oh, okay, fine. But you right. still, you still may end up sort of suffering on the back end, you know, because of how you treat yourself. And again, this is all speculation yeah. on why Aesop chose a heron instead of a crow or right. an, an eagle or a snake, you know, uh, but mm-hmm. perhaps he's trying to sort of match it to a person who might have a similar sort of not only 
physical appearance, but also sort of a personality. Yeah, right. Kind of like that vanity, you know. Right, uh, right. uh, Being so kind of obsessed about one's perceived self-worth, you know, whether that's actually grounded or not. Yeah, it's. I was just also thinking, you know, it's not just a matter of being picky. I'm sure both of you and I have um, experience having young children, kind of the, the picky eater phase. Oh yeah, you know, every they, day, every yeah. day. <laughs> and it's and it's not like you know, our I don't like serve something to my six year old son. He's like, no, you know, such fare is not befit my stately bearing as a six year old. He just doesn't like the taste. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of something that was like, yeah, just kind of hinted at the the heron's kind of vanity. Like, no, I'm, this is, this is too, you know, I'm too good for this opportunity. And and then, and he, he goes on in the story, right? And another fish comes by and says, now a fine young perch swam near. And again, the heron retorts, no, indeed, said the heron. I wouldn't even trouble to open my beak for anything like that. And so, again, he's presented with another opportunity, but again, he's sort of, his inflated ego, his vanity gets in the way. And then we come pretty much already to the end of the fable. As the sun rose, the fish left the shallow water near the shore and swam below into the cool depths towards the middle. The heron saw no more fish, and very glad he was at last to breakfast on a tiny snail. So, you know, he, he waited and wanted more. He waited and wanted more and then ended up having to be grateful for a snail. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I don't do escargot. <laughs> I, I would have trouble finding the opportunities to be grateful to have a snail <laughs> after passing up on fresh fish. Yeah, right. I think I had escargot once. It was, it was chewy and it was just, it was drowned in butter so really it was chewy buttery Mm. consistency yeah sounds tempting but uh maybe one day i'll have some chewy butter you should try it sometime right just to say you had you know you did it but but you know we 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 have we have the whole story now we have the whole Mm. fable and of course and and the moral is here it says do not be too hard to suit or you may have to be content with the worst or with nothing at all and I think, I think that's a lot of us, you know, we, we decide that, well, I'm going to wait a little bit more. There's mm. something better. There's something greater. There's something mm. more for me to have. And yes. you pass and you pass and you miss and you miss, and then you end up, you know, settling or you have yeah. nothing mm-hmm. because you, you told yourself, I got to hang on just, just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I think we all have a lot of these experiences of the heron in our own lives. Yeah. Isn't in economics, isn't that what they call like opportunity costs? Like you're just kind of like the, in terms of measuring out the value of something, you, you can evaluate the actual value of missed opportunities for one reason or another, you know? Yeah, that sounds bit. very economic. I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a I wasn't an economic student. I I only remember mm-hmm. supply and demand from my mm-hmm. high school class. Mm-hmm. S- same here. Other than, and that just came to light there as you're you're talking. But 
yeah, that idea of no, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out uh, for something better. Um, and like I said, like there's more nuance to the story because it's not like it's the heron. It's not like the heron was like hungry enough to go after this thing. The heron was kind of blinded by it, like you were said earlier, his own inflated ego, his own inflated self worth. Like, no, this is not. This is not does not befit my station or my dignity or whatever as a heron. And so he lets it go by. I figured like if he were hungry enough and desperate enough, uh, yeah, the first fish that, you know, would go by, he'd snatch it up. As like you were saying, making that jump to human experience, right? When we're in a situation where we're like, we really need something and we're looking for it and the opportunity presents itself, we jump at it. Versus like when you have a lot of options and you're not really in a position of desperation, you know, you're, you're kind of, there are opportunities that, that pass that may never present themselves. And like you were saying, the, the opportunities may not be getting better. They might kind of diminish uh, until we're satisfied to, to breakfast on escargot. You know, I, I couldn't help but think about the the Exodus story and the Israelites, right? And mm. they, and they're out in the desert and God gives them food, you know, in the form of manna. And mm. he makes sure that they're, that they're all, that they're taken care of, right? That they, yeah. they, they don't need anything. But what happens? They sort of begrudge the Lord and his gift of this food from heaven, yeah. you know, and like, we want more, you know, like, we had, we 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 had we had plenty, in in when we were slaves. Basically, like we got to eat better when we were slaves. Like mm. now we're out here in the desert, you know. So we we get into that sort of place where, you know, we're we're given what what we need, you know, and it's right in front of us, and mm. we're like, no no no, it's not good enough. I'm tired of this. I want something different. And it's like wait. Yeah. So, and sometimes that thing that we want is actually the worst thing that we could want, but it seems to our eyes, right, that that's really what I should have, you know, and in the sense of the Israelites, they wanted basically slavery, you know, yeah. because they're like, well, at least we'll have something better to eat, you right. know, and, and it's like, well, wait a second, you know, God's, God's giving you the opportunity for something much, much better, and you're asking for more for more food you know you're asking for something more and it's leading you back in the wrong direction and how many times do we do that with god we're like god's like i've got you like no god i need something more and then we end up going on the wrong path right right sort of like the attitude of the heron like i won't even trouble to open my beak uh, for anything like that the idea is like even though that better may require effort uh or may require a period of discomfort and trust and travel and pilgrimage as you know following your example of the chosen people in their exodus um right but then they fixate on what they had forgetting that uh, what cost slavery right so they'd be willing to go back into slavery just so that they could have their flesh pots and you know have three square meals and a cot which that's not really a life, you know, especially if you're living under you know, servitude. But um, 
you know, as you were talking, uh, Albert, another story came to mind along the same lines. The story I remember is called The Fisherman and the Flounder. And the idea is fisherman catches a flounder as in a fairy tale. Flounder can talk and basically says, hey, um, do me a solid and let me go. The fisherman does that, goes back to his wife. The wife is like, you know, that was a magic flounder. You should probably go back and ask for a wish. So uh, what should I wish for? Well, wish that, you know, we're, we've, we're wealthy. So he goes back. Can you, you know, make us wealthy? You know, and, and he keeps going for, and the, 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 the wife continues to ask for bigger, bigger, and she's never content is the moral of the story. It's like, until at last they're like emperor and empress of the land, and she's still like not content. And he goes back one last time to the flounder, and the flounder says, well, you'll receive what you deserve. And the full circle, they're back to being in a fisherman's hut. By, by the edge of the ocean, you know? And that's idea of like, as human beings, you're right, we're, there's something in us that's never satiated, it's never satisfied. We're always kind of looking for something more. You know, that, that line that you'll get what you deserve. Mm. I think that is a direct correlation to eternity for us as Christians. You know, I think about the story, the parable, right, of Lazarus and the rich man. And mm. so in some instances in, in our lives, we do get more. We get a lot more. And in, the, in that parable, right, there's the rich man. He has everything. He wants for nothing. And mm. Lazarus, he's, he has nothing. And he's, he's destitute and, you know, basically the poorest of the poor. Yeah. And then what happens? Well... They each die, and Lazarus is on the good side. He's he's in heaven, and yeah. the rich man is not. Right. And so all that he had for that opulent life, all the riches, all the best foods, everything, what he needed, right? He he got more. Yeah. It didn't end up helping him in the end. It gave him basically eternal damnation. Right. You know, and of course, then he gets you know. He gets afraid and says, well, you need to go warn, you need to go warn my relatives. And yeah. they're like, nah, it's not going to, it's not going to work. You know, right. if, if, if they're, if they, if they won't do it on their own, if they, if, you know, the, if they won't believe the, the prophets, it's not going to do any good, right. you know? So it's a real good point to be like, hey, it's not about getting more, it's about finding that right place with what you have in front of you, finding yes. your your right relationship with God, finding your right relationship with your faith, you know, right. your spiritual life, so that you can be ready for what you deserve, you know? Yes. Because really what we do deserve is we do deserve, he you know? Yeah. Because really what we do deserve is heaven, you know, and okay, none of us are worthy of it, but that's what we were created for. That's why Jesus died for us, to give us the right. opportunity, right? So let's mm -hmm. not screw it up by demanding more and more and more and more, and then we get more and more and more and more, and then we lose sight of really what's most important. Yeah. Right. I like how you said that, losing sight of what's really important. And that's, and the, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, and thinking back to Master storytellers. I mean, 
our, our Lord Jesus Christ using parables to transmit these realities of the human state of things. Exactly, right? He kind of was bringing to light that idea of that desire for opulence or wealth, but also how it's limited in this world. Yeah, we can go through this world being comfortable, but that's never really going to make us deeply and truly happy. And, you know, that, that's maybe another conversation for another time, but like true happiness, true, full, you know, uh, absolute happiness is never found in this life. It's only found in the next. Um, you know, like you were saying, if we have the faith to see it now and and not settle for kind of cheap substitutes. I mean, and we look at the heron, right? If he had just mm. taken the fish that was in front of him, he probably could have had a, he, he probably could have had twenty small fish and right. had a full stomach and been very content, right? Yeah. He could have had the perch and been content, but he he ended up losing on all of the food he could have eaten and having just a snail. And he was, I'd like to bet that the heron was still hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Because he oh, didn't yeah. he didn't fill himself with the goodness that was provided to him in the beginning. And what ends up happening in our faith lives, is we end up with the sort of the scraps. We end up with the snail, and it does not satisfy us. We either are just sad or we're still hungry. And the point mm-hmm. is, the only thing that will feed us fully is Christ. And we yeah. can, and we'll say, well, I'll have Christ later. Christ right. isn't enough right now. I need something else. Well, you're going to end up with the snail, and you're not going to be happy. And then you're going to say to yourself, well, try again, and it's not going to be enough. And you'll end up mm-hmm. with another snail, right? So you just end yeah. up hungry in the end. You end up, you end up hangry, you know? <laughs> That's right. You're, you're, you're hungry, and you're angry, and you can't figure it out. It's like, well, because you passed on Jesus, because you passed on our Lord. Right, yeah. Yeah, and the nice thing about our Lord is that he's... He's actually seeking us. I, I was just thinking about that as you were talking. The fish in the story were just kind of doing their own thing. They weren't like catering to the heron. It's not like they were like, oh my goodness, look, there's a, a heron over there. Let's go allow ourselves the great honor of being eaten by him. No, they were just kind of doing their own things. And then the story, as it unfolds, the sun rose. The fish are like, we're out of the shallow water. Let's go to the deeper, cool depths, you know. And the opportunity just you know, passed by. And I think that's kind of ought to have been a wake-up call for the hair and like, oh, wait a minute, you know, the world doesn't revolve around me. But that's the one difference. Our Lord is like, no matter where you are, I'm going to seek you out and I, I want you to be with me. I want you to be happy. All you need to do is cooperate, you know. <laughs> and that's that's the... That at time is like as Saint Augustine actually used to say that towards the end. He's like, Lord, give what you ask and ask whatever you want. You know, that kind of like, okay, I'm here, but you gotta, you know, continue to help me. It's still kind of a struggle. Sure, sure. But but you know, the the Lord gives of, of himself, and you're right. He is 
seeking us. He's seeking out all of his sheep. He is mm-hmm. the one thing that we can sort of want more of, that we can say, I want more. I want more Jesus. I want more Christ, right? So yeah. he's out there like waiting. He's out there looking. He's out there searching. And we're like, okay, we've got to go meet him. We've got to go yeah. find him. And by all means, ask for more Jesus, you know, the, the, the one time, the one thing that we can do and desire more of, because what we'll find is we, it will create a different kind of, of hunger, you know, not like whatever the heron was experiencing after only having a snail at the end of the day, mm. but it'll create a hunger for the best thing that we could ever have in our lives. And we'll want more Christ, we'll want more Jesus in our, in our lives. So at the end of all of this, the things here, right, in this earthly plane, you know, all the fish that we have access to, you know, okay, don't expect to get the biggest and best thing out of all these earthly things. Like, take mm. what's given to you as a gift, accept it, be thankful, fill up. But when it comes to Christ, right, by mm. all means, go for it, you know, yeah, dig in. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And going back to the, the heron story, that's what makes me think that this isn't so much about being a picky eater. It's more about the the vanity and the self-inflation of the heron. Because if the heron were truly modest, like you were saying, he wouldn't have minded eating the first fish that swam along, right? He, he wouldn't have been too hard to suit, right? Uh, or satisfy, right? Um but instead, he he just kept letting those opportunities go by. I, I feel like if he were really desperately hungry, yeah, he would have jumped on the the first meal or morsel that that came by and would have been happy with it, right? But there's kind of like that. I don't know. Maybe the heron wasn't in a state of desperation. The heron was kind of more of like a comfortable, you know, routine existence. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching it too much. Well, I, I think I think it's, it was it was a starting point, right? Because sometimes mm. we sort of get comfortable in our lives, and then we sort of have that thought, that seed, like you know, I could use a little bit more today, I could use a little bit more tomorrow, but mm. then it ends up sort of changing our taste buds, right? We sort of, well, I've decided after after several weeks of getting more and more that those little things that I used to have aren't. That they that they are below me and they're beneath me and that I am I am a master and I am a lord in my own right and I deserve to have the best. But you so you sort of completely let go of the things that you used to live very happily on. So mm. I, I think that the heron mm-hmm. may have been in a position of sort of transitioning, may you know p- potentially. That's why he wasn't desperate. He wasn't starving. Or else you're right. He probably would have just gobbled up the first fish that he could have had, big, small, ugly. You know, just just give me some food. Yeah. Um, so if he were to continue on the path that he's on, he may find himself becoming more and more desperate, mm. you know, but if he learned his lesson, then the next day he probably was very content to take the first fish that he saw. Right. Yeah. A hungrier, but wiser bird. Yeah. And that, and that's what we all need to sort of be, you know, you know, hungrier for Christ and a bit wiser yeah. in the way that we lead our lives. We all need to be kind of hungrier, wiser birds, you know, every yeah. day of our lives. That's right. That, that's going to be my, my motto for the week. Be a, be a hungrier but wiser bird. 
And I believe that you, Michael Steele, will be the best hungry and wise bird <laughs> that that area of Pennsylvania has seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thought process. Like, if you were a bird, what kind of bird would you think would you be? I, I don't. I couldn't imagine myself as a heron. I, I don't know. Maybe more like a. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe a parrot. Birds. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have been talking to you about the heron, an Aesop fable, uh, and covering the theme of wanting more and how sometimes wanting more can sort of be destructive uh, on the other side. So we hope that you have enjoyed our discussion, Michael and I. Uh, and remember, if you haven't heard it, Go visit us at our website, waobaudiotheater.org. Go to our YouTube channel for WAOB Audio Theater. Take a listen to The Heron or any of the other number of stories or poems or uh, other recordings that we have. Lots of great content there. Michael, thanks so much for joining us in this conversation. Thank you, Albert. It's always a joy to talk with you, and uh, may we all be hungrier and wiser birds. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of The Table of Content. I hope you will tune in next time. Until then, be good, stay safe, peace. <laughs>